Hey, it's Hannah. It's Amy. And you're listening to A Cuckoo in the Nest. It is currently Monday, October 29th, and we're talking all about bats. Na 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 na. Bat week! It's Halloween week. Whoop, whoop. I'm excited. I'm pumped. This is my time of year. I know you thrive in this environment. <laughs> All things spooky. I um, heard it's also another important week. It is. It's it's bat conservation week. So I don't know if they do it on purpose to coincide with Halloween. It makes sense if they do because mm-hmm. they're a huge Halloween staple. Um, but this is a week basically where we just celebrate bats across the world and also conservation efforts being made to protect them. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of this work right here in Illinois in Chicagoland actually. And this means I'm going to cover just all of the species on a more general sense. Uh, my cat's about to knock over our, <laughs> <laughs> our microphone. Um, anyway, just more in a general sense because we've got eight species that can be found within Chicagoland regularly. Um, okay. But overall statewide, there are 12 species that exist within Illinois. Wow. So yeah, like more diverse than you would think. I um, really only know about the big brown bat, little brown bat. Yeah. Is okay. the hoary bat here? Hoary bat's here. So the, those are three of the eight species we can find. Uh, we also have the eastern red bat, silver-haired bat, northern long-eared bat, Evening bats and tricolored bats, also known as the Eastern Pipistrel. I really hope I did not butcher that. Pipistrel. It's a cute name. It's cute. We can go with tricolored bat, though, just to be safe. Yeah. yeah. So. I can't believe there's 12 in our state. I know. With eight of them can be found up around here, which I think is awesome. Ooh, pretty special. Um, the University of Illinois Extension describes them as small winged mammals, most weighing less than one ounce. So they're pretty small. Yep. Uh, the head and body are covered with fur, and their wings are constructed of hairless membranes that connect the hind legs, uh, body, and long forelimbs. The wing membranes extend over the four fingers. Yep. But the clawed thumb remains free. So a little spooky. A little... A little creepy, but I like it. Um, they also have another one of these like skin membranes that connect the hind legs to the tail. Oh, I didn't so, know that. Yeah, so it's like just a little little extra on the back end there. Huh. Yeah. yeah. So for steering. I yeah, that would make sense. Kind of like how birds are with their tails. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're the only mammal in the world that can truly fly. Obviously, these membranes help out. Yeah. It's not just gliding in the air, but it's being able to take actual flight, right. and sustained flight. Um, and you know, like I said, they're mammals, so they give live birth. Uh, and they nurse their young, which is cute. Which Yeah, and, they have giant roosting yeah. sites. Yeah, they nest in colonies. Yeah. And they don't build their own nests. They usually, um, they'll go for natural shelter, like dead trees, fallen logs, um, big trees, uh, live trees, I should say, that can support a colony. What about caves? Caves are a big one. We don't have a whole lot of those around oh, here. I'm thinking, I went to school at Indiana University, and we had a bunch of caves down there, so yeah. I think that's 
why my go-to is. Yeah. K-Bay. We definitely have some in Illinois, just Chicago lands a little short on. <laughs> so that means they oftentimes result to uh, man-made structures. Okay. So churches like the Belfries. Yeah. Uh, bats in the Belfries, you'd say. Okay. Um, I know there's a massive bridge in Austin, Texas area that has a bunch of bats. Yes. Bridges are a big one. Um, and then they'll also use abandoned buildings, attics that aren't maintained. Mm. Yeah, they'll sneak in there. Um, and when they, you know, usually they use these roosting nest, nesting sites for raising their young, of course. Um, it depends on the species, but they're usually going to have one to two pups per year. Okay. So, and that's usually May or June. So typical breeding season for a lot of our species here. Will they have one pup at a time? Uh, it's one or two. Oh, they like they could have twins. They could. I don't wow. know if they'd technically be. Well, yeah, I guess they would be twins. Well, I mean, <laughs> we don't need to talk about them in relative terms like that. But anthropomorphizes <laughs> them. Yeah, I guess it's just interesting that. I mean, they seem like they're. How remind me of their weight again? They're usually less than one ounce, and they can have two. Mm-hmm. At this, two pups. That's my understanding. One do or we, two. Do we call them pups? Pups. Yep. At the same time. Wow. So uh, usually they, some of the species, not all, um, will form groups of female or maternity colonies. So it'll be moms and babies. Um, And, you know, at birth, the the little pup's going to cling to mother. And then uh, when they go, when the moms go out to feed, so go to collect their insects and such, uh, they'll leave their young behind at the roof site. And um, it's it's a vulnerable time for babies, of course, if they fall out. If, I don't really think they have an issue with predation. I didn't see too much about that, to be honest, aside from them um, as adults, more or less, or if the pup falls out. But within their roost, they're pretty safe. They're just right. not able to do much for themselves. And that's um, typically an, a warmer environment. Yeah. Because they don't have mom when she goes out and feeds. So. Yeah. And she'll come back. It, like throughout the night mm-hmm. and then go back out before the sun comes back up. Um, but at about three weeks, the young is able to fly. So it's a pretty quick turnaround. Wow. Yeah. And they'll start feeding on insects themselves. Uh, but they do continue to nurse until around a month and a half old. Okay. So Supplemental. Yeah. Weaning, I guess. So, And uh, all of our bats in Illinois here are insectivores. So they feed on insects. We don't have any fruit-eating bats here, or vampire bats, anything like that. Uh, No need to fear. No need to fear. And uh, the the cool thing about this is they eat as much as, they can eat as much as 3,000 insects in a given evening. Wow. That's an insane amount. Like, for a tiny... I don't think I've ever eaten 3,000 of anything. Like, nope. No. No. And I'm sure it's even more when they're nursing. I would think so. Yeah, usually they need to... Make up for that. So if you don't like bugs, you like bats. (laughs) You do. You should like bats. You should. Um, And the way that they get these insects is that they use echolocation. Right. So if you don't know what that is, it's um, basically ultrasonic sound pulses coming out of their mouth. And these pulses bounce off of those insects. So it helps those bats locate the, the insects. And they don't necessarily need to see them which I'll talk about the sight thing because there are some misconceptions with that. (laughs) um, This is their primary way of locating prey. Um, Let's see. And they're not 
they're not an aggressive species. Again, this is going to lead right into our misconceptions about bats, but right. um, they don't really care about people, but they will uh, possibly bite if someone's foolish enough to handle one, which don't handle bats. <laughs> I mean, my train of thought is anything can bite. Like a toddler yes. can bite. Yes. A dog can bite. Amen. Just because it can doesn't mean it will. Exactly. But you have to put it in that precarious situation to where it feels like it has to defend itself to that point. Right. So before I go into misconceptions, because that's a whole world. Yes. Um, I want to talk about conservation status because it's, it's interesting here in Illinois. We've Um, got these 12 different species. Yeah. We've got 12 different species overall. We've got eight here in Chicagoland. Um, For the most part, they are stable. Okay. Uh, we do have a couple that are seeing some issues. Um, something that does affect bats is white nose syndrome. And White noise? White nose. Nose. Yeah. So it's a fungal disease that grows on the skin tissues of bats. Oftentimes, if you look it up, you'll see it starting to cover their face and their ears. It's, it's literally like a fungus. Just, so it just like spreads. a bat mange? I guess it could be that way. I mean, yeah, it's it's essentially like a skin condition, and what it does is it disrupt it disrupts bats during hibernation, so they'll wake up frequently because their skin starts to become irritated, or oh, they're just not comfortable with it, you know, blocking airways, stuff like that. And when they wake up during hibernation, this is dangerous for them because they're burning bat reserves. Right. So they end up starving before they even make it through starving uh, hibernation. And there's no insects. For them right. to go and consume. Yeah. yeah, they're not in a state where they can go feed. There's nothing to feed on. So it's just a progressive thing that will eventually take hold of them before the end of winter. Oh, and sad. I know. And it's actually decimated populations in certain areas, not necessarily here in Chicagoland, but it's been noticed outside of Chicagoland in populations that, you know, were once thriving and then they see like a 90% decrease. Okay, so it's pretty significant, and it spreads easily from bat to bat. It can spread on the substrate that they're clinging onto. Wow! So whether it's like it can really affect or, a whole colony. Yeah, and people can actually transmit it as well. So if you're a hiker or someone who likes to travel and explore caves, if you're not mm. decontaminating your gear, you could be spreading it. So it's. I don't it's, think that's. I mean, even just like for someone who wants to go out on a hike. For a a great afternoon. I don't think that the average Joe would be thinking about decontaminating their belongings. No. And uh, let's see. The white, I'm sorry, the long-eared bat is now federally threatened. Okay. So it does exist within Chicagoland. We don't see it very often. Um, But they are threatened because of white nose syndrome. And then what was it? I came across an interesting article from Lincoln Park Zoo. They it was, it was just some talking about like a bat survey they did a few years ago. Yeah, their Urban Wildlife Institute is pretty involved in, mm-hmm. I mean, any native Illinois wildlife research, but I know they specifically have a bat research program. Yes, and I'm trying to see here, it was either um, little brown bats. Little brown bats are one of the species most affected by white nose syndrome. Um, this is where they say suffering losses of more than 90% in some cave areas. Wow. So, uh, again, the urban wildlife Institute mentions this 
They are not federally listed or recognized as threatened or anything yet, but they're seeing significant impacts on that species. So um, unfortunately, white nose is starting to affect a lot of bats worldwide and also here in the U.S. Um, and, you know, it's a conservation issue. It's not much we can do other than help prevent the spread. Right. So, Just do your due diligence and yeah. clean your boots. Exactly. Exactly. Um, these guys are, excuse me, they're protected under the general wildlife code. Um, there are some guidelines on excluding bats from structures. We, I, I didn't know this, but there are only certain times of year when you can evict bat colonies per Illinois law. Oh. Um, and that makes sense. They want you to do it when it's still warm enough for these bats so they can successfully relocate somewhere yeah. else. Don't do it in the dead of winter. Cause right. Not, they're not going to survive. Um, so it's like March through May and it needs to be over 50 degrees at dusk and then April through October over 50 degrees at dusk. So specific, but we understand why, because bats are very sensitive to cold. They're very sensitive to time of year and availability of resources. And it takes them a significant amount of time to drop back into that hibernation mode. It doesn't just happen when they close their eyes. Exactly. So, um, that being said, they're also recognized as rabies vector species. It's unfortunate because mm-hmm. I think in other states, like maybe even Wisconsin, they're not. I'm not I sure. I might be wrong. I'm not sure. But unfortunately, um, now granted, less than 1% of the total population is thought to have rabies. Right. Um, it's not common. But we do get cases every year in Chicagoland. Um, different counties report it. Uh, so that means that, you know, technically we can't rehab bats that are sick or injured or orphaned. We have um, strict limitations on what we can do with them. And if you come across one that seems to be sick or seems to be orphaned, um, orphaned, I should say, injured, um, there's not much we can do other than offer humane euthanasia if they're suffering. So it's, it's a tough situation where we have to ultimately consider quality of life. And um, if it's a situation where they're sick and we think maybe they've come into contact with people or other animals, then um, that's when we have to go through the whole testing process to see if they have rabies right? and what people need to do in response to that. So it's tricky. I've come across many situations where people are very upset when they came across, you know, a bat that had like a hole in its wing or seemed very sick and debilitated, but we're just so limited in what we can do for them. But at least we can do something better than prolonged suffering. Right. So it's tough. It, we're both sitting it's, here like it, it it's, sucks. But it does. Yeah. Um, uh, that being said, uh, I've never come across this, but sometimes people will find those pups. They fall out of the roost. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're just learning to fly. It's like the fledgling thing with birds. Yeah. Um, sometimes there's a little bit more room with that. You can... Um, you can try to contain them. Again, if you're ever in a position where you need to take a bat somewhere, hopefully you're never in that position, but you should never touch them with your hands. Always um, wear gloves. Always wear protective gears. Yes. And try to sh- scoop it in another yes. item if you can, whether it's a shovel into a trash can or you can scoop it with a trash can with the lid. Yes. Try to be as hands-off as possible because yes. if you do have direct contact with that animal, it just increases You've decided it's fate, basically. Yeah. Because then you have to report it. Then it has to be tested. And you can only test for rabies if an animal 
is dead. Yeah. Yeah. So you can try the hands-off thing. Um, people oftentimes recommend like a coffee can. Oh, um, yeah. Capture it in that with some cardboard. And you can put it up by the base of a tree and just give it some space and a little bit of time to gather itself. And uh, a, a healthy bat that might be just a little disoriented or debilitated will eventually make its way back up the tree. They will climb up the tree and seek safety. Um, a bat that's very sick or very injured they're not going to be able to do that. And you're going to notice within the next hour or two that this needs a little bit more attention than just trying to help it to a tree. Um, and that's when you need to decide, you know, do you have resources to either take this somewhere? Um, do you have an animal control to report it to? But just be careful with it. <laughs> and I say it like I'm trying to say it so delicately because it's a sensitive subject. And this is an animal at the end of the day that we care about. But we still care about people as well. We just don't want you to be in a situation that where your health or your family's health might be at risk. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's always such a depressing topic. Wouldn't you say? It is yeah. tough, especially when local municipalities aren't very helpful because then it does come back to the homeowner yes. to take care of it. It's always most ideal when you have a municipality that has an animal control or police with training on how to handle bats because Rabies is not a joke. It's not common, but it's not a joke. And if you don't live in a town that offers that resource to you, then you need to speak up because we really don't like the idea of members of the public handling bats. Even if you have a rehab center in your area, we really want someone that's trained on it, that knows the procedure to help you. So that's my soapbox <laughs> for the day. <laughs> Tell them to learn how to handle bats for you or support initiatives that will help them mm -hmm. do it because this is serious. And I don't ever want to see someone holding a bat in a paper towel again, just willy-nilly about it. Oh, <laughs> this has happened to me. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I just. Like you said earlier, you've sealed the animal's fate. And it's, yes. it's sad because it's just a simple awareness of the situation that you need to have. On, a, on occasion, you will find a bat that's just simply a little debilitated because, you know, maybe it's a little cold that morning. and Yeah, they, they're they really affected by temperature. Yes. And if someone's touched that bat, we now have an obligation to submit it for testing and, you know, file a report. So don't touch the bat. Don't touch the bat. <laughs> <laughs> if you're, like, tuning us out on everything else, don't touch the bat. This is when you tune in. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, that was one. That was one of my misconceptions. Is that they all have rabies, and that's not true. Oh, so not it's true. Very small. That's a small silly. percentage. Yes. Um, there's another one. People think that they can't see very well. Yes, they see just fine, just like any other any other animal would. But they use that echolocation. So going back to how they mm -hmm. feed, because they're you know feeding at night. They don't have a whole lot of light to work with. So right. This is going to come in handy with them. Um, I came across one misconception. Bats get tangled in your hair. What? It feel like a fear. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. I got this from the, what is this? The Bat Conservation, Bat Conservation International. Okay. <laughs> and it's funny because they say, get real. This was a common myth a few decades ago, but bats are much too smart and agile for that. They are. They are. So don't worry about that. I don't think <laughs> that's on the list of things to worry about in the world. A bat getting in your hair is probably not going to be one of them. 
Maybe it was back in like the 80s when everybody had big hair. Yeah. <laughs> well, it does say a few decades ago, so that would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, another misconception is that bats are bloodsuckers. I mean... We talked about vampire bats. Yeah. There are vampire bats in the world. They're not going to go suck on human blood, though. No. Um, they are. They're limited to Latin America, supposedly. Um, the blood, the vampire bats. Right. And they don't suck your blood. They lap it up. So, like, <laughs> a kitten with milk is what bat conservation is about. <laughs> Um, really glad and, we're going into depth on this. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, they're not going to do this with people. It's likely going to be livestock or wildlife animals that are exposed yeah. to them. Um, but the cool thing was, and these are not bats that live here, by the way, but it's neat how bats have helped humans. Um, the vampire bats, they have a special coagulant, anticoagulant found in their saliva, which has been used in medical research to help prevent strokes. Wow. Yeah. So, especially in Latin America, it's so important, you know. They've got their own conservation thing going on there for bats because they see, wow, it's beneficial. The bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So, those are really, like, the biggest issues with bats. Um, I would agree. Yeah, ultimately. And also, people call them rodents, and they're not rodents. They call them, like, rats with wings. In <laughs> some attempt to demonize them. And, again, I can see that. I love rats. I don't demonize rats, but <laughs> like they're not, they're not rodents. They're, they're mammals, but they're not rodents. And actually um, they're more related to people than they are to mice or rats. So anyway, I felt myself getting on another soapbox there. Like, stop. Stop <laughs> with the persecution of bats and stop with the persecution of rats. Like I just love them. <laughs> I'm glad you covered this episode. I'm glad. Yes. <laughs> um, so you know we've got the misconceptions and we've got the prejudices. Obviously, leads, leads to a lot of human wildlife conflict. People will react in extreme measures when they discover bats in their area or may attempt to take them out. Yeah. Don't do that. That's not nice. It's not necessary. You're literally wasting your time. And actually. They're beneficial to you because they eat so many insects, insects that destroy right. our crops that can 3, spread disease. Three thousand animal. Yes. So you want them. Um, and that being said, they do face habitat loss in our area. They don't have a whole lot of natural shelter options. Okay. Um, they have adapted to more structural options, especially in like the Chicago area. You're going to find them pretty much anywhere from your neighborhood park to someone's attic that might have a hole in it. So. Give and take, I would say a healthy way to encourage bats in your area would be installing a bat house in your backyard. Yeah. Yep. It helps with the mosquito population, helps with those other pesky bugs that might ruin your garden or transmit disease. Um, just it's a great option, and I think it's another one of those great experiences you can have with your family as well. So, And they're cheap. They're pretty cheap. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. They're just little, like, thin wood boxes that you hang right on the tree and Bats will find them eventually. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I I pretty much covered, I guess, why we should support them. Because mainly the insect thing. Um, I, yeah. I found that they they saved the agricultural industry over $3 billion in pest control costs. What? Yeah. And I don't know if this is, like, nationwide or just Illinois. But $3 billion is a lot That's of money. That's a lot of money. 
Um, and you know, in our Just country, we need to save up. money where we can. So <laughs> yeah, uh, let's do it. Also, I guess in some areas, I don't, okay, again, I don't think this is in Illinois. They didn't specify, but their waste, otherwise known as guano. Oh yeah. It's super fertile. It's super fertile and it's been used for fertilizer. It's been mined for fertilizer in yeah. some cases. Um, that being said, you shouldn't be trying to like mine guano if you know like some bats live in your neighborhood or something because it can spread disease. Yeah, so, no, it's a very delicate process. Yes. There's usually guano mining experts I and mean, equipment. I know at Grand Canyon, they have like an old guano mine. Really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's obviously not active, but you can still see all the equipment. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you don't just go in there and like pick up guano. It's like... You're all decked out in gear. You go through training. Like, it's a thing. So. Yeah, I'm sure you have a mask and, like, yeah. a full face. Yes, yes. But I thought that was kind of cool. I never I never knew they did that. So, all right. I guess that's all I have. I just, it seemed like such a perfect week to cover bats. Because we're yeah. entering the spookiest day of the year and celebrating their conservation across the world. All so, good things. Thanks so much for sharing, Amy. You're welcome. Um, I have to give credit to my sources, of course. Yes. Uh, Urban Wildlife Institute, they provided a good amount of research I pulled today. They do some really great bat studies in the city as well. Yeah, right in our um, own backyard. Yeah, check out their website, see what they do. Uh, University of Illinois Extension, of course. Also, Bat Conservation International. They're a great resource for worldwide bat efforts. So they break it down by continent and even okay. country. So. Um, and also Illinois Department of Natural Resources, as usual. So that's where I'm at. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Great topic. <laughs> Very fitting. Yes. <laughs> so as always, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Cuckoo Podcast. We would love to hear from you. Positive, negative feedback. And the sandwich method, as we said last time. Future episode topics, weird wildlife encounters, or questions, feel free to email us at hellocuckoopodcast at gmail.com. Yes. As always, we recorded on Anchor FM, and we so appreciate all of our listeners. Yay. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Happy Halloween.